Hey guys, thanks for joining me after a rousing Pistons comeback victory. Uh, 99-95 I believe was the final score of that one. 99-94, um, sorry, looking at the, <laughs> at the score here. Um, the Pistons got off to a pretty rocky start. They, uh, they trailed by as much as uh, 16 points at various points to the first half. Uh, but they came back pretty strong to wrap up the first half, and then they charged ahead in the second portion of the third quarter, and pretty much carried the play in the second half. It, it really didn't look great right off the bat. Uh, the Hawks were pretty much full strength. In comparison, the Pistons were sitting three starters. They had no Marcus Morris, they had no Andre Drummond, and of course, Reggie Jackson is still out with, with any tendinitis. Um, so the Pistons rolled with, they rolled out a nine-player rotation. Lorenzo Brown got the night off, as did Darren Hilliard. Uh, it seems like Stan Van Gundy is going to be alternating games for Ray McCallum and Lorenzo Brown at point guard, and alternating games as well for Hilliard and Reggie Bullock. Uh, Bullock got into this one and scored uh, five points in 13 minutes. Uh, didn't take a whole lot of shots, just took three. Uh, he made two. He was one for two from three-point range. Um, and as for McCallum, he got 17 minutes, scored four points on seven shots, uh, turned the ball over three times, and racked up two assists. Uh, yeah, we can expect to see Darren Hilliard and Lorenzo Brown coming out uh, in the next game for the Pistons. Uh, the story in this one was one Ish Smith. He played 30 minutes, scored 18 points, had eight assists and pulled down seven rebounds. He did this on six of ten shooting and two of two from three-point range. That's not exactly Ish Smith's MO. He's not a shooter. He's not a three-point shooter to say the least. But he got the job done. He definitely led that offense and he helped lead that charge for the Pistons throughout the uh, late second quarter, early third quarter. So definitely the show tonight was Ish Smith. He was he was the guy for the Pistons. Uh, him and Tobias Harris shared the leading score mantle for the Pistons. Uh, Harris scored 18 points on 8 of 20 shooting in about 31 minutes. He also had 4 assists and 7 rebounds. John Luer scored 6 points on 2 of 9 shooting, and Stanley Johnson had 12 points on 3 of 8 shooting. Uh, he also had a couple steals and a block, and he grabbed 4 rebounds. KCP went 0 for 4 from 3 point range, scored 13 points. There may be some cause for concern with KCP's shooting. It's not quite where the Pistons want it to be. He's hitting 9% of his three-pointers. That's not going to get it done. We're not going to freak out over the preseason. We're not going to panic about that. But considering he regressed last season from the three-point shooting standpoint, it's something to keep an eye on. It's not something to be particularly happy about, and it may be a problem going forward, especially as he's nearing the point where uh, the Pistons are going to be looking at extending him before the season starts. The deadline is October 31st. Uh, I don't think that he wanted to come out with a cold preseason like he's done so far. While it's not likely that a poor preseason is really going to factor in much, you want to have as much ammunition as you can if you're KCP as you're going into these contract extension discussions. So as far as Pistons standouts, um, we also got 16 points out of Aaron Baines. I kind of expected to see Dwight Howard just completely feast down on the block in the paint against Baines and Boban Marjanovic, and that didn't end up being the case. In the first half, Baines and Howard got into a little bit of a, a scrum, and 
it seems as though Bane's got under Howard's skin. There's no love lost between the two guys. There was a couple years ago, a bit of a mix-up between them in the playoffs when uh, when Baines played for the Spurs and Howard played for the Rockets, so they've got some history. He had 15 points and 9 rebounds in 27 minutes and he fouled out, so he didn't overwhelm the Pistons centers like I kind of expected. And Aaron Baines put on a pretty good performance, 16 points and 7 rebounds in 30 minutes. Boban Marjanovic with 7 points and 4 rebounds in 17 minutes. And Pistons centers in Andre Drummond's absence were no slouches, they were not a weakness down low, which is a little reassuring to see, because there's no question that Andre Drummond is the most important Piston, with Reggie Jackson being a pretty close second. Although, it's nice to have your backup point guard now forced into a starting role, pulling down near triple-doubles. Preseason or no, it's nice to see. The Hawks had former Piston Will Bynum on the roster, he played six minutes, took six shots, and scored six points. Former... Michigan Wolverines star Tim Hardaway Jr. scored three points in 19 minutes. He was one for ten from the floor, including 0-3 from three-point range. He took an air ball from a three-point range as well. Not a great look playing in front of his dad as uh, Tim Hardaway Sr. is an assistant coach with the Pistons. That's about the long and short of this one. Um, the Pistons did put on a great charge in the fourth quarter and they managed to maintain their lead and expand it just a little bit down the stretch. And they got just enough out of the, the skeleton crew with nine pistons, three of the five guys on the roster out of action. Uh, so it was good to see the deeper bench guys really putting forth the effort and uh, seeing them come down with the win. As I like to do in these solo podcasts, I put out a call for uh, questions on Twitter and you guys came through, and for that I am grateful. Actually, in particular, Hakeem, at H-Town Rockets BB, uh, really came through. <laughs> He's got a few questions here. He's my virtual co-host, in effect, because uh, four of the five questions I have are from Hakeem. Uh, thanks, Hakeem. You're, you really took the load off, and I appreciate it. Um, first question, he asks, do you think the Pistons will manage to be around 500 until Reggie Jackson gets back? Might be going out on a limb here, but I think they're going to be a bit better than 500. I don't think that they're going to be at this mythical 50-win pace that I am pretty convinced that they're they're going to be at once Reggie gets back. Uh, mind you, 50-win pace once Reggie Jackson comes back after the Pistons probably underperformed to that pace with Ish Smith in there. That means more than likely we're going to be dealing with like a 47-48 win total by the end of the season. That is, of course, like simply bearing in mind my own calculations for this team. We figure the Pistons are probably going to lose two to three games more than they would with Reggie Jackson at the starting point guard role with Ish Smith in there. And that's over the course of the 20-game stretch that we're expecting, somewhere in the 15-20 to 20 game stretch, assuming there are no complications for Reggie Jackson's uh, knee tendonitis. If that's the case, then we're probably looking at about a 47-48 win total. That might be a little optimistic, considering we don't really know what kind of condition he's, Reggie Jackson will be returning in. I'm not going to back too far off of my preseason prediction, even, even bearing in mind the fact that Jackson's out for this extended stretch of time. So I think the Pistons will probably be able to hang around a couple games above 500 until Reggie Jackson gets back. Uh, that's my admittedly optimistic point of view on that. 
we've got another piston question from Hakeem. He asks, who's the guy on the Pistons that people better become familiar with, like an under-the-radar guy? For me, that's Reggie Bullock. He was a, uh, an epiphany for the Pistons over the final third of the season or so. His, his overall numbers last season were really nothing special, nothing to write home about. He played 37 games, averaged 11.6 minutes per, but they really they don't tell the whole story for the final third of the season that Bullock had after uh, both Stanley Johnson and KCP went down with injuries. He was forced into a more active role. He played over the last 18 appearances. He played 18.7 minutes. He averaged 6.4 points per game. And he hit 53.2% of his field goal attempts and 48.8% of his three-pointers. The guy can shoot. The guy is a shooter. We saw that with an open three that he got in this game against the Hawks as well. Uh, he just knocks him down from outside. Uh, Reggie Bullock is my guy going forward. He's the under-the-radar player for the Pistons. Um, some people might say Stanley Johnson, but I don't think he's under the radar. I think people are aware of, of Stanley Johnson and maybe optimistically so, um, have a pretty good grasp on what he can bring to the table. Whereas Bullock, he's a guy that might catch you off guard a little bit because he really didn't get a whole lot of run last season. And when he did, uh, it was in the later stages of the season and guys like Tobias Harris were making more waves because he was the new the new face in town. Alex Swendig, at Al Swendig, a-L-S-W-E-N-D-I-G. This is a bit of a throwback question here. He asks, who is cooler, the bad boys or the 04 Pistons and why? I'm really biased. The bad boys were a little bit before my time, before I started watching basketball actively, uh, whereas the 04 Pistons were an awakening for me. I loved the 04 Pistons probably more than I have ever or will ever love any sports team in my life. That title that they won, and then the uh, the near defense of that title they pulled off in 0405 against the Spurs are going to be some of the the best sports memories I will ever have. There's really no topping that for me. Chauncey Billups and Ben Wallace were my own personal sports icons, and they're always going to be my two favorite Pistons, no matter who comes down the road. Um, so for me. It's the 04 Pistons, and it's not close. No disrespect to the bad boys, of course. Now to uh, to take sort of a general NBA tilt here. Hakeem had another question here. Uh, he asks, who's the better East team come March 2017? The Raptors, Celtics, or the Pacers? And I'm going to have to go with the Celtics. Um, I'm really high on the Celtics. It's, it's weird. I'm not a huge Horford guy. I was actually happy when the Pistons struck out on Horford, but at the same time, he is a guy who's going to make the Celtics better, and the Celtics are already uh, a dangerous team. Um, I think the Celtics are the second best team in the East, and I don't think it's especially close. Um, I think the Raptors basically overachieved and completely like ceilinged out last season. Um, I think that the season's going to be a bit of an awakening for them, a bit of a rude awakening in comparison. Uh, they're still going to be good. I think that they're going to be in like the 48 to 51 win range. I think they're the third best team in the East uh, behind the Celtics. 
Um, I think the Celtics are more in like a 52-53 win range. So, you know, by my own projections, it's a fairly slim margin. But that's that's how I see that shaking down. Um, the Pacers, I think, are a, like a marginal, borderline playoff team. Um, I took a lot of heat for this when I came out with my win projections uh, about a month ago. Which may have been a little early to come out with my win projections, but I don't see anything really changing my mind about the Pacers. Um, they downgraded a coach. They went parallel at best, I think, at point guard. Um, I don't think that Jeff Teague is better than George Hill. Um, and I think that uh, like uh, Al Jefferson is uh, a good free agent acquisition, um, but he's not he doesn't fit this running methodology that Larry Bird thinks that his team should have. Um, I, it just doesn't fit their uh, their purported MO. And of course, Nate McMillan is not a running coach. He's not a fast-paced coach. This is a team that's going to pound the ball into the ground and just plod along, um, at least if if history is any indication of, of McMillan coach teams. Um, Thad Young is a four who doesn't stretch the floor, so there will be no pace and there will be no space, <laughs> and that's supposedly that's what Larry Bird wants for his team. He wants a pace and space modern NBA team, and I just don't think that they've got the personnel for it. I don't think they have the coaching for it, and that's okay. I just don't think they're going to be great. I think that they didn't improve uh, in spite of all the, the off-season moves, I think that their moves were largely parallel. And um, I think they're going to be fighting for an 8-seed. Uh, it's a good thing they have Paul George, and it's a good thing they have Miles Turner, because they're going to be the, the, the two main cogs that keep this team competitive and worth watching. Um, I will probably get some hate from any Pacers fans who happen to check this out. And... Uh, I welcome it. Bring it. <laughs> um, another question from Hakeem. This is another general NBA question here. Um, earlier today I wrote something on James Harden's potential MVP run for Hoops Habit, one of the, one of the places that I write for. And in my opinion, the main obstacle for Harden's MB MVP candidacy is the fact that it's really hard to win an MVP if your team does not finish in the top two, maybe three, in your conference. And the top three in the Western Conference is almost certainly, barring injury, going to be some combination, well, the Golden State Warriors at, at number one, for sure. Uh, and then two and three are likely going to be the Spurs and the LA Clippers. Um, maybe the Rockets can make a push for the four seed. In response to Hakeem's question, where I think the Rockets will finish in the West, um, I think that they're probably more likely to be in the fifth or sixth seed. I think anything more than that is going to require very fortunate breaks for the Rockets. Um, some ability on their part to magically learn to play defense, which I don't think is something that this is a roster is built to be able to do. Um, I think that this is a team that's going to have to win a lot of games, 125 to 120. 
and I think that because Harden is basically a transcendent talent, um, and he's going to be, I believe, basically unleashed by uh, Mike D'Antoni, um, to me they're going to be a lot of fun to watch, they're going to be an interesting team, they're going to win more than they won last year, uh, but I think it's going to be really, really tough for them to get higher than 5th in the West. So I'm going to say somewhere in the 5 or 6 range. And that's assuming things go pretty much as well as they can go for the Rockets. Um, I'd love to see them challenge for higher, but I think that's about their, their ceiling. Is uh, Probably the 5 seed is their ceiling. So thanks, Alex. Thanks, Akeem really appreciate you guys uh, firing away the questions and hopefully we'll keep it up in the future um, we're looking at some guests for uh, for a podcast or two next week Dave DeFour Coach Dave is is on deck to help me out next week uh, follow him at Coach Dave D-U-4 and uh, hopefully we're going to be able to jive our schedules next week and get some together for you guys. And I think that I've covered all the bases. Uh, once again, the Pistons come away with their first preseason victory. The preseason is halfway over. We are 13 days away from the season opener against the Toronto Raptors, and we are two weeks away from the home opener against the Orlando Magic. So we're nearing the home stretch, and it's almost time for some real basketball. Once again, um, you can follow me on Twitter at Duncan Smith NBA and you can read my work on Hoops Habit and also Piston Powered. We are now on iTunes. Please subscribe and rate us and I really appreciate it if you would. So until next time guys, thank you for listening. Really appreciate it.